Welcome to episode 98 of RSVP, the podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Les. Tonight, I've got my, a guest, Johnny Gamber. We're going to talk about using good stuff, but let's let Johnny introduce himself. Johnny, tell us about yourself. Hey, I'm Johnny. I'm 42, 5'10". <laughs> I'm not telling you how much I weigh, but I have green eyes, and I am... Um, make zines, and I co-host the Erasable Podcast, and lately I bind books, like, constantly. Like, seriously constantly. It's kind of ridiculous. I'm covered nice. in needle pokes all the time. <laughs> you know, you can you can get dull needles for book binding. Yeah, I don't like them. So, That's my, my Catholic upbringing. <laughs> you like the pain. A little bit of pain. <laughs> um, I, in all of the years that I've bound books, never actually picked up bookbinding needles. Um, like I always just used kind of like the, they have blunt tapestry needles, number 20 mm -hmm. needles. And those are my favorite. Um, they're still, they're still pointy. Blunt tapestry needles are still pointy. Um, but when I started my new job, I, they had actual legit bookbinding needles there. And not going to lie, they're so nice. Ooh, the tiny, the ones with like the really tiny hole, but it will still take a good piece of thread. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the hole is a, a different shape than like a regular sewing needle. It's more oh. like a D shape. I need to get some of these. Yeah. You, you got to try them. It's, I'm not going to say it's a game changer, but it's different. It's kind of nice. Um, so moving into kind of a new format of the show, Johnny, can you tell us? the stationery in your life right now like what are you using for stationery sure um i just emptied a waterman karen that had a uh, waterman inspired blue in it and i got it for free with amazon points yay um i'm finishing up a book that i made myself with cotton paper and um i'm switching between two levenger true writers one i just used up it was um the starry night edition which is super hard to find apparently Full of uh, Diamine, All the Best, their Christmas Day ink. And now it's a red one, which is also not that hard to find, or not easy to find. And it has, um, I forgot what's in it. Oh, uh, Red Dragon that Tim recommended. Cool. Which is really nice. I don't, I think I've seen it, the Red Dragon before. It's like a really nice red. Yes, it's darker than I thought it would be. Mm, cool. Very cool. I, on the other hand, have been sticking with a Jinhao 86. I just, it's such a perfect, like, shirt pocket pen that I literally just grab it and st stuff it into my, my flannel pocket, my flannel shirt pocket, uh, and take it to work with me. And I use it all day long at work, um, mostly for meeting notes. It's been inked up with Diamine Midnight Blue. Um, that I've been using pretty much constantly since you sent it to me. I made a pretty good dent in that bottle of ink so far because I'm just blowing through it. I, all of my <laughs> pens, I inked like my three current pens with it. Um, except for one, I have a, um, narwhal that is inked in black, but that's the only black ink pen I've got inked without the time my, my <laughs> midnight blue. And then I've got a handmade pocket notebook that I, I made. So one that's been, I've had on Instagram a few times with a little pencil made out of, Ooh. um, make ready. Um, not, not the new letterpress covers that I've done for no brand. Um, but the kind of the first ones that I made on the letter. Well, 
I didn't make the letter press. It was just like make ready leftover um, in the shop. And I was like, I'm going to make some books out of this. Made like a stack of books for everyone at work, which people seem to like. Um, and so I've been like burning through that one for a while. And I'm housing all of it. Well, not the Jin Hao 86 uh, in a Knockco Fodder Stack XL, which is not for sale. I have been hit up in the feedback and, and like the contact me form on my blog a couple of times by, by people who like read my review of it and be like, is it for sale? Are any of your Fodder Stack XLs for sale? <laughs> and I'm just going to tell people right now, no. No. And that is a quick way for me to put you into the spam folder um <laughs> and i've had a couple of other like offers to buy some of my stationary stuff that i don't have anymore via twitter like people will follow me on twitter and then ask me to sell them stuff and it's like i haven't had that for ages um you know so but anyway uh yeah so it's been a good combination the little fodder stack xl with a pocket notebook in it and then i also oh that's the other thing i've got in here i've got a parker jotter um, Ooh, nice. that I carry with me everywhere. Um, I think Park- Parker Jotters are kind of the stationary unsung heroes. Um, I think they're a great entry pen for people who maybe don't know that they want to be into stationary. I've bought a lot of people Parker Jotters. I get them the like all stainless steel version um, and then give that to them along with a gel ink refill. Yes. Um not like the standard refills that come with it, but the gel ink refill. And and usually people are like, this is really nice. It's like, okay, so it's only a $15 pen. But yeah, it's it's a good starter. <laughs> it's a good, you know, it's a good entry to, you know, good pens. And they, they still look nice. Plus, they're really great to fiddle with. Yeah. Did you try the, um? what do they call it? The XL, the sort of wider one? I have not. I've had the same Parker Jotter for like five years at this point i had i stumbled upon parker jotters at a resale shop years and years ago and i probably bought like a dozen of them and treated them like they were disposables (laughs) Um, because i got them for like a dollar each and my dad bought a stack of them like everyone in my family probably bought like a dozen of them because they were a buck each and we we didn't real like I didn't realize that they were nice, but like my dad when he found out, I was just like disposing of them. He's like, "You realize they're refillable, right?" Um, <laughs> and I was like, "I I did not, but now I do." <laughs> uh, so anyway, I've been using the same one for like five years now, uh, and I actually had an incident on the train. So I was waiting for the commuter rail, and the top fell off. I took my my fodder stack out, and the top like it it's for some reason unscrews in my pocket. So the two parts of the pen came apart and the top clicky part fell off onto the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked down and I looked up, looked up and the train was like there. I was like, guess I'm not getting that today. <laughs> so the next time I went to catch the train, I was like down on the tracks and like people were like, are you okay? Um, yeah, it was, it was extra. So anyway, I did go and retrieve my pen, but uh, that was a tangent. Uh, all right. So. Johnny, I have wanted to have this conversation with you for, I I think it's been like two years we've been talking about this in our letters. Yeah, we were going to do a zine, but, you know, life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we never got around to it. So, you know, 
because the zine fell through, I thought maybe we could just have a conversation about this, like, and just record it and put it on RSVP and basically just talk about using the good stuff and why it's important to use the good stuff. What got us into thinking like, I need to use my stuff versus just hold on to it for posterity, mm-hmm. for the future. Um, so I really wanted to start off with any stories about your past about using the good stuff, specifically like not using it. Like why why didn't you use the good stuff in the past or what like made you think about this? Um so I would see people like on um you know Instagram or at a coffee shop using something nice that maybe mm-hmm. even I owned. So I'm like, oh, I wish I could just use my, you know, whatever pen all the time. But why don't I? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, conversely, I would know people with really fancy stuff and they're like, you know, got a chewed up pen hanging in their pocket. I'm like, what the hell is that? And um, my, my father is one of those people where, you know, if you get him a nice present, you will find it in the box two years later yeah. while he's using like, you know, the, I don't know, the whatever it is equivalent of shoes that are, have a toe missing like, yeah, Dad, yeah. like you're, you're getting old like were you going to use this because now the joke is whenever i get him you know field notes or something i'm just going to get him back in 20 years when he's dead <laughs> so i'm like don't write in him but um yeah it's and it, i think it runs in my in my blood to um not use the nice mm. stuff so i'm fighting it and if i you know jump in right away like if i get a nice pin throw the box away or recycle it if I can, and um, ink it right up. I will. I won't be precious with it. I'll just mm. use it, which is good to know. But if you if I forget or something, then ooh, it sits in the box. Yeah, yeah. I similarly like. I grew up so. My grandfather was an artsy fartsy kind of dude, right? Like, but he worked a job six days a week. Um, so they can make extra money because, you know, money was in short supply. Um, and he always wanted to do art. He was interested in art and design. He did like, he was in the Coast Guard and then he got injured. Um, and so he, you know, he's honorably discharged and he had all of these art and design, like by mail courses that he did for a while. They were just stored in a, in a closet. But he never did it because he couldn't make any money doing it where he lived. Instead, you know, he was a mechanic and that's what he did. And, uh, but he always said, you know, when, after I retire, I'm, I'm going to take up painting. I'm going to, I'm going to do some oil paints. So I remember one year for Christmas, I bought him like a basic Grumbacher oil painting set. Um, and that stayed in the box until he died. And he died less was it five years five years after he retired so you know it's one of those things where like i think about it it's like i don't want to wait until i retire to to do something to use the good stuff and then you know of course because you know they were my grandfathers no one wanted to touch those oil paints so basically they've just hardened into little rocks in a closet (laughs) um because it's been 20 25 years yeah, 25 years since he passed. So those those Grumbacher oil paints are just, you know, hardened up little lumps of color um, in a closet because no one wants to touch them, right? You know, they're Gramps, but he never got to use them. But it, that's like, you know, and the same thing, like my great grandmother, you would send her a gift for, for Christmas and she called it her treasures 
and she would put a note on it who gave it to her and then it would go into her attic her storage room she would never touch it again <laughs> you know like <laughs> these are her treasures it's like well you know i bought you that so you would use it um but yeah it's like i don't know it's like that family thing it's like you gotta save it for the good time you know when <laughs> which is when 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 is the good time yeah. yeah, my dad's retired. Like, um, this is it. This is the last day of your life. Like, time to do something with this. And um, I've recently, he's, so my parents have a um, three-car garage and they live in the city. So this is a really big deal. And they can kind of squeeze two cars into it because mm. it's full of so much crap. And um, I've recently found accessories to a truck that my father sold in 2002. <laughs> <laughs> Dad. Yeah. Or, you know, brah, brah. Like, oh, my God. They want to sell that. Like, what are you gonna? What are you gonna use it for? But yeah, like you know, there's. I could we we could we could swap stories about like oh, yeah. family like <laughs> stashing stuff for you know a special occasion and never getting to using it. But uh, so, what triggered your interest? Like, what what made you switch from like I'm just gonna hold on to this into what like actually using it? What what triggered that interest? Um, so for stationary, usually I just used the good stuff right away. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I don't, I, you know, vintage pencils and, um, like when black wings came out, I was still in AmeriCorps. So like those were expensive mm -hmm. and, um, I sort of started, you know, backsliding a little bit like, oh man, those field notes, like packet of sunshine. I'm not going to use that. So, um, I sort of had to stop myself and switch right back. Yeah. So. Yeah, a lot of it was just like, this is not me. I don't mm. like hoard stuff. I don't have valuable field notes that aren't even open. I write in the damn things. They're right. still ten bucks to me. Well, they used to be ten bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Now they're isn't it like fifteen dollars a pack? Yeah. Yeah, that's I don't know. I uh, I'm not gonna go off onto that tangent right now. Yeah. Um because <laughs> uh yep, stopping myself. Not not gonna go there. But yeah. They've been very innovative. They have been. That's yes. good. Okay. We'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> um, for me, I think a lot of it is that, you know, I was stashing stuff and saying, I'm going to use this for a special occasion, or I'm going to use it for a specific project, or I'm going to mm -hmm. do this, or I'm going to do that. And then I would never get to it because I never felt good enough to use those things. And finally, there's this point where it's like, you know, I have to just rip open those field notes. And that was one of those things that I used always, always did was as soon as my field notes arrived, I ripped the plastic off. I don't mm -hmm. have any, actually, I, I take that back. I think I have, um, what was the snow one that changed colors in light? Oh, what was that one called? Frostbite? Snowblind. Snowblind. Snow yeah. Oh, those I, were pretty. I think I have a snowblind left in the package, but that's the only one. Um, every other one that came in, I immediately ripped, ripped the packaging off, threw away the belly band and slotted them onto my shelf to get used. Um, and I haven't bought a new field notes in forever because I have so many of them. And on top of that, I really like the handmade, uh, pocket notebooks that I make better. So it's like, I'm buying all of these in part because they're kind of collectible, but maybe not. They're, you know, paper and staples and cardstock and I can make my own. And then when I, 
you know, make my own, I don't feel precious about it. I just fill them up. And I really should take some pictures of my wife's field notes when she's done with them because dude, does she chew them up? (laughs) That's awesome. They look wrecked. They have like scribbly, like scratchy little notes in them. The cover's folded over on itself. Sometimes she rips the cover off. Sometimes she rips them in (laughs) half. And I'm like, what are you doing to these things? It's just like an absolute mess. And I love it. But that's how they're supposed to be used. It's a pocket notebook. It's not some precious thing. And I always feel like the worth of these things comes from being filled, not from stashing them and letting them collect dust. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I'm right there with you. Rip, rip the, rip the labels and stuff off and get using them. And, you yeah. know, the other side of it is also I've had acrylic paints that I used sparingly because they were so expensive that just dried into into bricks, you know, like this, if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, I had someone donated a bag full of acrylic paints that like their family member, like acrylic paints and mediums and all this stuff like an acrylic painter might use. And I was like, Oh great. You know, like there's that, that, um, stucco paste. It's got, it, you know, it's got like little pieces of like sand in it. So it looks like stucco. Um, and when I opened it up, it was dried into a rock hard plastic blob inside the jar. And I was like, <laughs> dude, this is so sad. It's like, this is like $10 worth of this just wasted because someone couldn't bring themselves to use it. And that absolutely bums me out uh, when I see just like, you know, you're so nervous to use it, you end up ruining it. And that's mm-hmm. sad. That's so sad. Or you lose it. Yeah. I have a, um, a box of 211s that I didn't open, and um, I don't know where they are. Oh. I don't have a big place, so I might not have them anymore. I mean, so, I'm okay with that. You think I'm maybe okay. one of your kids borrowed it? I might have given them to the kids. <laughs> That's one good thing. Like nothing is too precious. Daddy, yeah. can I have one of those? Yeah, take a couple, whatever. Damn, use them up. Damn. But, but um, I I was in my pencil closet recently and I couldn't find them, so mm. it's not looking good. They're gone, dude. Totally gone. But, uh, yeah, I bought them at Bob's Slate for like whatever the price was at the mm. time. So I'm sure I've had like coffees that cost half that much. <laughs> especially in boston <laughs> yeah dude so coffee is so expensive that's the one thing good thing that i can't get close to work there are a couple of coffee shops but they're only okay which is probably for the best because i wake up with two espressos every morning so nice. <laughs> having having more coffee is not not the greatest for me so what stopped you in the past from from using some of the good stuff um I think a lot of it was, you know, related to anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I have a history of like pretty bad OCD, um, and I think you know, a combination of being in graduate school and living in the middle of nowhere, and at the time online shopping not being much of a thing. There's like weird scarcity mentality. Mm-hmm. Like I can't get an online moleskin in less than two weeks out here. Like, ugh. <laughs> But um, I think a lot of it also came down to delusions about time. Yeah. Um, 
you know, oh, I'll use it eventually and like five years go by. Like, that's a very substantial part of your life that you just didn't use it. You could have yeah. been enjoying it. It's actually something like a fountain pen that you can use over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Like, I, one of my favorite things in the world to use for stationery is just a composition notebook, right? Like it's a 50 cent notebook, but I've got a stash of them. I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't use those. I'll use the <laughs> ones that that don't work so well with fountain pens first before I get to the good ones. <laughs> and it's like, dude, the mental gymnastics that it takes for me to like talk myself out of using a 50 cent notebook is bizarre. <laughs> like what is wrong with me that I just like, and sometimes I'll get so paralyzed about like, well, does this idea really merit? It's a whole notebook. Dude, it's a 50 <laughs> cent notebook. I could wipe my butt with it. And it's still 50 cents. It doesn't matter what I write on it. Like, it, yeah, I found, ah! I found a pile of, um, <laughs> I don't know why I, I I'd hoarded them. They were like interesting. Um, oh, what's that brand? It begins with a C. But um, they had like a plastic cover, and I'd s- hid them away in my closet. And they were like you know a buck or two. Yeah. And um, I don't know why I didn't use them. They weren't even nice. The paper sucked. Hmm. But my kids found them. Like, can we have these? And I hesitated for a second. Like, no, those. No, yeah, you can have them. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I've I've had it for ten years. Why is it still in the closet? Yeah. Like I um. Target had a clearance on the Yubi or Yubi, whatever the hell. Oh, it is. those are nice books. So, but they so they had a clearance on on those on the composition notebooks, and I blew through those. Like I had no problems blowing through those for NaNoWriMo, but they also had at the same time clearance on the hardcover journals with the elastic, and, and no kidding, they were like a dollar. So it was like. I will take all nine of those. Thank you very much. Cause I like them. And, you know, when I'm doing some of like my self study stuff, I will grab one of those. But now I've got four of them left and I'm like, Oh, I don't know, man. Those are nice. <laughs> and it's like, it's like again, the mental gymnastics over using a $1 journal versus just like grabbing it and using it. Cause you know, my, my idea might not be good enough. And it's like, I've used those for studying. Like <laughs> it just, ah, uh, like, but that's the sort of like crap that stops me is like, is this idea good enough? Is my idea worthy enough to use <laughs> this nice pencil and this 50 cent notebook? <laughs> like I can't help but laugh at it because when I say it out loud and I record it and I'm going to have other people listen to it, it's so ridiculous. And I think that's one of the things that I want people to get from this conversation is the idea that you might be talking yourself out of using a $5 field notes, but is that, is, is, is that $5 field notes? Like, is, is your idea worthy of it? Of course your idea is worthy of it. Like, you know, your idea is worthy of you. Your idea is what makes that field notes worth the $5 to me. Like you got to record it somewhere. So, but I think, I want people to hear reflected in our ridiculous, like, (laughs) like talking ourselves out of using these things that are, you know, 50 cents or a dollar, or maybe, you know, you, you bought a bunch because you really liked them. 
and you you know you talk yourself out of using them for whatever reason that you talk yourself out of using them but you can always like even if you can't get your Tomoe River notebook again there's always going to be another notebook cuz mm-hmm. it's stationary and you're going to fill it up you're going to use it up and that's okay that's what it's made to do it's not made to sit on the shelf anyway yeah and it's like a whole big level of wastefulness yeah all oh, this paper that you're not using but then you worry about wasting toilet paper that was less energy intensive to make than a field notes. Yeah, yeah. I I found myself using um, you know, like recently made Ticonderogas while I had uh several dozen of the old American ones in the closet. I'm like, I'll use those one day. But that this is dumb. So luckily, having three kids and my wife's a principal, I always have somewhere to donate pencils. Yeah. yeah. So I don't have any of those anymore. Yeah, that's the like one of the good things about where I work now, I know that if I take some of my nicer pencils in and just throw them on the shelf, the kids are going to pick them up and they'll be like, yo, Leslie, this pencil, it's nicer. Like they, they, and they appreciate the fact that like I've brought in some nicer pencils. They might not know that they're from me or anything about them. They just pick them up and they use them. Um, and they appreciate that. But um, so, why do you think it's important to use the good stuff? Um, so I I wrote this in the in the document. For me, it's space and time. Mm. Um, I do not like home ownership. I don't even like living in a house. So storage is always a problem for me. Mm. So a lot of it is like if I'm not going to use the good stuff, it's taking up room, and I have to get rid of it. So you know, if I have to get rid of some pens, and they're like the $5 eBay pen or the $300 pen that I didn't even pay for because I had Amazon points, which one am I going to get rid of? And um, time also because um, I didn't get my ADHD treated until I was 40. So I remember having conversations with my therapist like, I just wasted half my life mm-hmm. like not being able to do stuff like sit still or you know, control uh, my volume. And we were like, well, you also have half your life to appreciate that and do things with it. So, you know, I'm past 40 now and, um, no time is limited. So like, what are you waiting for? Mm. I see sometimes my parents who are obviously older than me, not using, well, especially my dad, not using stuff. And like, he won't drive his Mustang in the rain because like he didn't get the waterproof package or something, or Mm. I don't know, the paint is made of sugar. And like, (laughs) Like, that's a really expensive thing to not use. Yeah. And also, like, oh, it's probably so fun. But, yeah. um, yeah, it's, you know, space is tight. Time is short. It's yeah. just do it. Or you're never – if you don't do it now, you're probably not going to do it. Yeah. That's, like, one of the sort of regrets that I have over the pandemic. And so, like, I I recognize the fact that work from home – my workplace, like there's a lot of stress there. And when I'm stressed, my brain kind of shuts down. Like I am cognizant of that. And also I realize I wasted a lot of time. Um, and, and yet I'm gentle with myself in knowing that there's a possibility I couldn't have done anything mm-hmm. anyway, but also I look at that time during like, 
I don't know, from November of 2020 till, I don't know, March of 2021 as like a waste of time. Because there are a lot of things that I would have liked to have done. And basically my brain shut off because I was so stressed out due to my job issues, um, which I've talked about loosely, but I'm not going to go into it here. Um, you know, and all of that stress, that anxiety and all of that happening at work really made my outside of work brain just not functional. But thinking about like limited amounts of time, it's like, I think we find as creatives a lot of excuses not to work. And I'm not saying that anxiety and depression and stress are excuses not to work, but like, I think sometimes collecting stationary stuff, um, like gathering all those things is a way of like fulfilling an itch. Like, oh, if I just can, I, if I can just find the right notebook, I'll write that novel. If I can just find the right pen, I'll write that novel. And, um, just a quick story. I remember, you know, I was showing my, a friend of mine, one of my old friends, a pen that I got. It was a fountain pen. I had some fancy ink in it. I was like, yeah, look at this pen. It's so cool. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you realize you can just write with any pen. I was like, a gas, like, what are you talking about? Just, but it's, this is so nice. And, you know, back then I was sort of like in that collecting phase of gathering fountain pens and, and not using them to write. I use them for work purposes and stuff like that. But like, it's like, yeah, but it's so much nicer to like write with this nice fountain pen. She held up a big, she's like, I can write the same thing with this. I'm like, mm, I don't know if we can be friends anymore, but yeah, you're <laughs> right. And it's like one of those things. Like sometimes I have my students just use a big pen to draw just to break down the preciousness. It's like, you don't have to have anything special to make art. Yeah, it's nice if you have a nice fountain pen, if you have a nice notebook, but that 50 cent composition notebook and a cheap package of pencils is going to do the same deal. Mm -hmm. It's not, might not be as nice, but it's going to get you there. Um, but sometimes I think the hunt for the perfect pen, the perfect notebook is like something we just do to distract ourselves from the fact that we're like, but anyway, like I, I think sometimes we distract ourselves from our feelings of inadequacy or anxiety or whatever, fill in the blank with collecting stationery and never just getting down to actually doing the work. Mm -hmm. I mean, I do the same thing with writing. Like I did a series of uh, reviews on my blog of like, here are some writing apps. And I, you know, asked both the apps if I could get a free subscription so I could test them out. And really, I could open up notes on my laptop or Google Doc or, you know, one of the free apps that you can use um, to do my writing. Are they as nice? Do they make it as easy to move chapters around? No. But, <laughs> you know, the reality is, you know, you can you can get it done any way you see fit if you really mm -hmm. want to. Um, but anyway, so kind of shifting gears a little bit. I jumped ahead of it a little bit there, but we'll go back to it. Um, so shifting gears a little bit. I think you've noticed, as I have, there seems to be a deep divide between the stationary collecting versus stationary using groups. What do you think? Wait, why? Why is there a divide? Um, 
I mean, I asked Frankie if this was something I should say out loud because I might get flamed for it. <laughs> but like, I think that for some people, it's an object because they don't write or draw or do mm-hmm. anything. It's just a thing in the plastic. And for some people, it's a tool. And I'm sure there are some people for whom they're tools who collect and some people who collect them, I don't know, write their grocery lists in them or something. But I think there's a there's a lot of weird, like, aspirational stuff. Like, oh, I wish I was a creative person mm-hmm. who would do writing and stuff. Like, maybe you, you're not going to be a writer, so stop collecting notebooks. And, <laughs> you know, maybe you're going to be a woodworker or a cook or some other sort of, you know, have another creative outlet. So... Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't want to collect pots, but you want to use them, then that's what you should do. Mm. But, um, you know, I think there's this image that having a full box of 2011s makes you a writer. No. Writing makes you a writer. And, like, if you haven't sharpened them, then you're not writing, so you're not a writer. Sorry. Which yeah. is not to say that I claim to be a writer, but, you know, I use my pens all the time. Yeah. For, you know, scribbling, or whatever I call writing. Yeah, I think I think that's I agree with that. I I mean, I really pejorative, but I think imposter syndrome works both ways. Like some people aren't, you know, they're not doing the creative bookish person thing mm. because they're they really do it or want to, you know, write and read and stuff is just something they saw on Instagram and that's the thing they're trying out right now. Yeah. Which, you know, yeah, people are young, people try new things. That's cool. I wouldn't spend so much money on it, though. <laughs> yeah, i I think that I, I I think a lot of people get caught up in the idea that you have to have special tools to to make art, to write, to do this, to do that, and and then a lot of us jump through hoops um, to get the special tools um, to feel. Like, you know, once I do this, I can be a writer. Or once I do that, I, I can be an artist. And really, an artist or a writer is going to make the writing or art happen. I mean, writing is art. They're, you're going to make the art happen in some way. And if you're feeling like you have to have a special tool to get it done, well, I mean... This is so I am a therapist, but this is not a therapy podcast. You might <laughs> you might want to talk to someone about your anxiety around your art. Um mm-hmm. you know, I I think that a lot of times our anxiety and our worry about what are people going to think um really holds us back. And I'm getting into the next question again. Um really holds us back from making our art. And really you could sit down with a sketchbook, any sketchbook, cheapest sketchbook you can find. You, you could go to the dollar store and pick up a stack of canvases and cheap paint or canvases and, you know, whatever, you know, pick up a sketchbook um, and just make art for yourself until you feel comfortable showing it to other people or never show it to someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, your art and your writing can be a 100% personal thing. And if that 100% personal thing means that you want to have a nice fountain pen and a nice paper that accepts that fountain pen, then fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, if what is holding you back is because you don't have the specific tool because some Yahoo told you, or, you know, someone said, hey, Neil Gaiman, he always has fountain pens. Well, he's also, you know, a multi-award winning author with 
you know, at this point, probably dozens of books made into movies and series and whatever. So, you know, your mileage may vary in terms of like, is <laughs> is the fountain pen really what does it? Uh, or is that, and he's actually gone on the record and says, this is a celebratory thing I do when I'm about to start a project. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's something that you want to emulate, but does it have to be a fountain pen? Could you just grab a Field Notes Bic Click um, or a package of Bics from Staples and and feel good about that? Yeah, and he gets it to celebrate the fact that he's going to use it. Yeah, and yeah. And make something with it. So, I mean, I, I think I'm sounding mean, but, um, you know, I think people think that it's magic sometimes, like, not... If I get that pen, um, then I can start writing and be a writer. But right. if I get that pen, I'm, now I'm a writer. Yeah. No, you're not. Writers write with pens. Yeah. Or I don't think you're sounding mean. I don't. I don't think you're sounding mean at all. I think that you're you're speaking a truth that you know. Sure, you might want to be the writer that uses that fountain pen, right? But that fountain pen isn't a magic bullet. It's not magic. And I think I sometimes tried. art, I think, <laughs> I think art feels magic. You know, when, when someone writes a line that just gets you, right? Or they make a painting or a print or whatever that you just look at and you're like, damn, that, that like hits me right here in the feels. Like it, it feels like magic and it should, yeah. you know, but also your art your writing, your art, your drawings, your paintings, whatever. Um, it doesn't need anything magic to make the magic. Yeah. I, um, when I was in high school, I took art cause I delusionally thought I was going to go to art school. And, um, there was a guy in the class ahead of me who just drew with big pens before, like that was a thing people yeah. did. And he would just make the most amazing, really like deep, pictures that ranged from white to black and all the tones in between and yeah. these huge pieces of paper with literally a pen that he chewed up. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. So that talked me out of art school. Like, man, <laughs> if he can do that with like a something that's borderline trash, like, no, I'm not gonna waste my uh my twenties doing that. Well, and you know, but at the at the same time I would say that like comparison of what he can do with a big pen is not necessarily a good comparison for what you might do with other materials. Like maybe, maybe you would have found out you really like charcoal or you really like pen and ink with dip pens. Um, That's true. You know, like everyone works in a different material and it, it, you know, I had a guy in my high school that did the big pen stuff too. And it was lovely. Um, But again, and I think like, that's another thing, like, that holds us back from using the good stuff is like comparison. When I, when I look at Neil Gaiman writing what he writes with a fountain pen, it's like, Oh dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I can never compare to Neil Gaiman. Um, but like I reread some of my writing. I don't, I don't often go back and reread my writing. And as I was reading it, like enough time had passed. It's probably, probably been like, three years since I wrote what I, what I was reading. And I realized this isn't, this isn't terrible. And if I was reading, like, obviously it's unedited and all of that. Um, but if I had been reading this by someone else, you know, I wouldn't have put it down. 
And then immediately I'm like, but, you know, if someone knew it was me, they'd put it down. It's like, this is crazy talk. What do you think? What, what, um, how do you think holding back from using this good stuff is, you know, kind of linked to holding back in creativity, art, music, writing, and all of that? Um, I think the idea of using good stuff is the idea of putting like a whole new level of seriousness onto, um, mm. creativity that for me has to be not play, but you know, I've, I'll sit around for a few hours cutting stuff out of magazines for zines and not use any of it, but it wasn't wasted time because that was just how I had to get where I was going. But if, you know, you insisted on the good stuff, that's serious. I wouldn't, you know, sit there cutting letters out of the New Yorker. I mean, all of the ones that are stacked up in our bathroom for some reason. And, um, yeah, I think, um, there's the, the good stuff, sometimes feels like a little bit of a performance Mm. because you know with social media we forget that there are things we don't have to put online and there are things that we'll do that people won't know about like what did you use to make that story did you you know scrape it with a toothpick and mud or did you use a super expensive fountain pen Mm. no one's gonna know because they can't see and you don't have to show them right but I think it's just, it gets very serious. And if you're introverted, you have to hit that level of seriousness before you're ready to um, interact with other people, unless you're drunk or stoned or (laughs) podcasting. But um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it takes the, it takes a layer of fun off before you've even started. Yeah. It's a better way, a more succinct way to put it. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of that ties into sort of my next topic, which I've touched upon a little bit, and I think you've hit upon it too, is the the thing that I hear from a lot of people in terms of like using a good material, using a good tool, using the nice fountain pen, using the nice ink, is the idea of feeling worthy enough to use it. What do you think about the whole idea of worthiness being tied up into the use of good materials? Um I think I talked a little bit before about the imposter syndrome, mm. but I think, I don't know, somehow like we're, we're not making really good estimations of our own worth and talent and the value of things that we might have to say, like either it's not going to be worth it until I'm a serious enough writer that I have these crazy, mm. you know, $500 fountain pens that I write my groceries with and they're not even my good ones. And, um, the sort of, you know, playfulness to be like, ah, screw it. I'll just, you know, write it on the back of an envelope. Yeah. Um, I totally just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah. I, I think that we're, you know, people overestimate what they have to say. And like, dude, why do you have all of those black wings that you're not going to do anything with? And people underestimate it and think that, you know, they're not worth a black wing that why would I sharpen up of some of those go for 40 bucks a piece, a $40 pencil and write with it because what do I have to say? Mm. So I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. We should just all overestimate it and all use the best stuff that we have. If we like it. Absolutely. Or maybe even just use what you like. Yeah. So like, that's one of the things that I've like realized as I've, so I have, 
it's this is kind of a complicated thing. I've sort of mostly left Facebook. I've I've popped in on occasion to the RSVP group, um, which I think is different from a lot of groups because it's less focus on collecting in that group mm-hmm. than in other groups. And I think that's because Lenore Dade and I and all of the other group members have kind of set a tone like this group is not about collecting. Um, we also collate all of the sales posts into one post. So it's not a free for all. I think it really cleans up the feed a lot. Um, but where was I going with that? I kind of lost my train there. Um, it's contagious. But, oh yeah. Um, so my thought was like, one of the things that has really changed my view on collectibles, first off, joining groups all about the collectability of an item ruined it for me. Um, I, I will say, and I, I might catch some some heat for this. I will say absolutely 100% field nuts ruined field notes for me. I mean, field notes themselves had some issues with their gendered notebooks. Um, but being a member of a group like that um, really ruined the experience of using pocket notebooks for me. It's sort of like, here's a tool that I use to like write grocery lists, to write, you know, jot little ideas down, do little doodly sketches in. Um, and it really just kind of like, I, I felt really burned out by that group, but like collectible groups in general, I, I think when I'm aware of how much a pencil is worth, um, really changes how much I, how I feel about the items. Cause now all of a sudden, like, oh, you know, Dade sent me a package of, of, um, of black wings. And I, I don't buy black wings anymore because I have, I have so many pencils. It's ridiculous. And I realized I actually like the pencils from, from generals and, um, why am I blanking on the other ones? Musgrave. Musgrave. Um, I, I actually like those pencils. Those pencils are my favorite pencils. I am perfectly happy using the Harvest Pro, um, the Tennessee Reds. Like, I like the, the graphite in them. I'm happy to use them. And I'm happy using a Jinhao 86 for most of my writing purposes. Um, but when I become aware of how much, you know, like the certain black wings are selling for 40, 50, 60, $80 each. I feel foolish sharpening one up because I'm like, well, I could sell this on eBay for 60 bucks. <laughs> um, so basically getting away from the collectible groups and just like dipping in to my, my stash of pencils, like, I don't know how much the number 70 is worth anymore. I think it's a 70. Um, you know, the blue one with the swirls on it. I don't know how much it's worth anymore. And I don't really care to find out. And I think for me, like that lack of awareness of how much they're supposedly worth over and above their actual asking price, um, has really changed how I look at the materials versus like, then I have a whole other thing like with art materials, because I can't get away from the fact that, okay, so this tube of orange paint just set me back $15. Um, and I, you know, now I want to scrimp and save it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I try to talk myself into when I'm using a pencil that's, you know, not cheap like hey sharpen that 
some bitch up, like get it sharp, dull it down, and repeat, repeat until it gets little, yeah. and then you're like, okay, I didn't waste, you know, five bucks on that vintage pencil. Yeah. Well, this- I don't spend five bucks on vintage pencils, but. Um, what was the pencil Dade gave me? The Scrawler box, the Scribbler box. Um, oh, those were cool looking. Yeah, they're really cool looking. And I took one to work, and just I've been using it. We have a we have an electric sharpener in the print shop, um, and I just grind it away. And I'm like, I I know this pencil is worth a lot of money, and I just don't care because it's really nice in my in my work notebook and my sketchbook at work. And I'm I'm not caring. I'm gonna just grind that thing down to a nub, and feel good about it. Um, and that's another thing. It's like for me in terms of like art versus work, I always have felt much better about using my creative supplies at work. So I don't know. There's like a whole complicated mess in terms of now working in a creative field and still doing creative work myself and feeling worthy about using my creative tools at <laughs> my creative work job. What? My mind is blown. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I think. I think if everyone – like, people need to stop waiting for the right time mm-hmm. because, you know, y- you could be dead tomorrow. And I know that that just went super dark, right? Like, you'd be no, like my grandfather and say, I'm going to wait to do this. I'm going to wait to do this until I retire and then die five years later before you get to do the thing that you wanted to do your whole life. And that's just – that to me, that's just super sad, right? Like, that's a yeah. sad thing. And I think if you want to do something creative, start small. Like start with a pocket notebook that's unlined. Do some art. Do some scratch, uh, sketches. Um, doodle. Um, or, you know, write some words down. You only like 10 words a day, man. And, you know, 10 minutes a day, 10 words a day. Eventually you'll have a book. Yeah. Um, I think. And this is a weird, weird concept, but I think that electric pencil sharpeners are like big game changers and everyone who likes pencils <laughs> should get one because they're just, you know, beasts of loud things and they take all the preciousness out of using a pencil because they're just <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, there's nothing cute about this anymore. I can't remember. You know that like absurdly long point sharpener that everyone was uh, talking about on oh, Amazon? Yeah. The fat. Yes. So we have one of those in the print shop, but it's not the excessively long point. I was very sad. I was like, ooh, it's an AMFAT. And I stuck the pencil and I was like, well, that's disappointing um, <laughs> because it's only a moderately long point. Um, I might actually, now that I'm thinking about it, order one for work that is an actual excessively long, long point just to like blow the kids' minds. Because again, like this is the thing about these kids, like they love stuff like this. <laughs> So like, if I'm like, dude, you guys, I got this pencil sharpener. Look at the point it puts on pencils. They will be as excited about it, although they'll make fun of me because they're teenagers. Um, maybe not as much as my middle school kids, uh, but they'll totally enjoy it. Um, but anyway, uh, that was a tangent. Uh, no, I'm 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 on Amazon right now. <laughs> But you know, kids are aren't aren't precious about it. They're just like, all right, no. My Henry's like that. If I give him a cool notebook or something and some stickers, they meet and he'll bring out, you know, a really nice notebook full of Star Wars stickers that are all put on their crooked. I'm like, well, whatever, man. He's getting into it. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> Actually, there's one that we have. It's not a bad pencil sharpener, but it's not oh, long, at that long of a point. The uh, crank version that Lenore sent me, and they're really good for um, marking signatures on book blocks because you can just use the side of the pencil, but it's still sharp. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Like, oh, game changer. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I have to admit, I, I actually really like this electric sharpener. I feel dirty using it, but I like it anyway. Um, so, yeah, electric sharpeners, just grind those pencils down. Grind them down. Yeah, I have an X-Acto School Pro on my desk, and we have another one in the dining room. <laughs> you know what I really want to do? I want to take the classroom friendly, take the guts out of it, and put that in an electric sharpener. Oh, that would be awesome. Or just Maybe, maybe I'll just put it on a drill. Just chuck it into a drill. See what uh, happens. Wait until you read um, the latest pencil zine. There's a whole thing in there about using drills to sharpen pencils for my Uncle Homer. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> All right. So we have, uh, in true RSVP fashion, gone off onto a pencil sharpener tangent. <laughs> wouldn't be RSVP if we didn't go off onto a ridiculous tangent. Um, but – is there anything you want to add to this conversation about using the good stuff? Um, I, I think along the lines of, um, you know, showing up at your kid's school with a huge box of pencils, if there's something you're not using, and even if it's fancy, like, give it to somebody else. Because yeah. they'll like it. Kids love everything. Like, the pencil that you hate because it's scratchy, but it's, like, neon green. A kid will sharpen it to nothing and use it up. So, you know, spread the love. And I've given, like, nice pens to my mom or Charlotte that I wasn't using. But they used them and loved them. So, it all worked out. And in the case of my mom, I'll get them back when she dies. So, <laughs> come home. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I would echo that. I, was, I would say, you know, open up all of the packages as soon as you get them in, sharpen up those pencils, ink the pens, and, and start using them. You know, if you're scared of the white page, one of the things that I, I've done in an art class before, I've had kids get out watercolors and mix up big pools of color and go through their sketchbook and just splash color on like the first dozen pages, um, you know, book puddles of color on there um and that just frees them up you know the page is no longer white it's no longer pristine add the color use it however um and maybe that's something that you can do i know it ruins everything for uh fountain pens but maybe that's something you can do for pencils you know in your in your composition notebooks or whatever notebook you're using splash some color on the page grab some you know crayola watercolors and and get some color on the page or maybe get some washi tape and put a border of washi across oh, every yeah. page or in the in the gutter or on the foredge, across the top, whatever. You know, add some color to the page. Break up that white page. Or, you know, I don't know, motivate yourself somehow to just take a few minutes every day and write something. And I think once you start, like, realizing that – you can write, you can make art, you can do these things. You don't, you don't need something special. You know, it's nice if you have something special, but you don't have to have something special to start making art, yeah. however you make art. Um, but I could, I could talk about that for hours. Um, Cause that's primarily <laughs> one of the things that I do now for my day job is convince kids to make art. Even if, you know, 
Although I will say we have, we have very nice art materials. We have nice equipment. Um, <laughs> and, you know, one of the things I do talk about is the fact that, you know, once you graduate from this program, you won't have this nice equipment. How do you make prints when you don't have nice equipment? And we talk about that and we have, you know, open conversations about all of that. So um, now's the point in the show where we're pretty much at the end. We're about at time. And so I just want to uh, thank everyone for continuing with the podcast. Um, I want to thank you, Johnny, for joining me and helping me oh, kick pleasure. off the new and changed RSVP. One of the big changes with RSVP is that I set up a voicemail for listeners to leave messages. Um, I don't expect it to ring off the hook all of the time. The phone number is 978-712-0705. So you can call, you can leave a little voicemail. I might use it in the show. So please be aware that you will be recorded. To, uh, oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be kind of cool. It might be kind of fun. I'm, I'm hoping I can uh, uh, stitch some of those calls in and do some reader feed, uh, listener feedback shows, answer some questions and all of that fun stuff. Um, uh, yeah. So where can listeners find you, Johnny? Um, so I used to write a blog called Pencil Revolution, but I don't do it that much anymore. But that's PencilRevolution.com. Um, you can check out my many, many pencil zines at uh, PencilRevolution.etsy.com. And I'm on social media at PencilUtion because Pencil Revolution was taken. Brr. And the fist fight did not work out. I lost. <laughs> so, sucks. <laughs> All right. You can find the show at rsvpstationarypodcast.com. You can find me, Les, at comfortableshoesstudio.com, Instagram, and Twitter at original LC Harper. All right. Thank you, Johnny, uh, for joining me on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank and, you for inviting uh, me. I hope, I hope we'll talk again soon. <laughs>